Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 332 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is August 11th, 2014, one week of USC spring, excuse me, USC fall practice in the books. We're going to talk about that with Coach Harvey Hyde and Chris Swanson both joining the show. We got questions from you, and we do love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That is our email address. You can give us a call at 206 888 Six seven five five. That's a voicemail. Or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. That's where you can find all the old episodes. You can even leave a voicemail right on the left side of the page. So do it all there on peristylepodcast.com. Without further ado, let's welcome in the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Very simple. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Well, it's another beautiful day, and fall camp is, uh, well, the first week of fall camp is now completed at USC, and as the coaches did yesterday, or on Saturday, we're taping this on Sunday this week, uh, because of practice conflicts and so on, but the, the coaches spent a lot of time on Saturday evaluating the roster, evaluating the play of players, the, the placement of players in certain positions, are they being placed in the right place, where they get the best out of them, things we talk about all the time. And now they're back on the practice field where they'll have probably a more physical week this week as they get ready for Fresno State. Yeah, lots of, lots to do there on the on the campus with Coach Sarkeesian and all the players going through a week of fall camp with already one day off. So we're going to talk about all that with you, Coach. And I wanted to thank our sponsor before we jump in, SCTickets.com. It's Southern California Tickets. They've been helping us out for years. 1-800-888-7287 is the number, or you can go to sctickets.com. Very simple. Check it out if you need tickets for anything in Southern California or across the country. And, uh, Coach, I thought maybe we can, uh, before we jump into some of the questions, I know you've been out to practice and get to see these guys playing. And, uh, you know, overall, get, get your thoughts. Maybe we could, maybe we'll split up in the position group, Coach. Maybe we'll start with offense. Why don't we start with what you think about the offense the team looks like? Well, I tell you, looking at the offense, uh, I really love the receivers, but that's no and no uh, uh, surprise to anyone out there. They've got good depth. I like some of the freshman receivers they have, and uh, I think they're really performing well. I think probably the surprise of the freshman class, as far as on the offensive side of the ball, is a Gene Harris. I think he's really uh, uh, sparkled. Uh, I think the others have done a great job, too, but everyone expected them and, and knew who they were. But here's a kid that played quarterback that they moved the receiver, and he's done just a great job of adjusting and knowing the plays. You know, he's a kid that's not afraid that when they call a set of receivers out, that he runs out with the first unit. <laughs> now, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's something, Ryan, when I say that, normally guys say, hey, get out of here. This is not for you. But they have that much respect for him where sometimes they let him run a player, too. So, uh, that's something that I don't know if people catch that or not, but it's happening. So uh, receivers, I mean, you know, Nelson Aguilar, what I have to tell you about him, and George Farmer, he's really playing well and getting, and getting better every day. I thought he had a, he's had so far a great fall camp. Stevie Mitchell looks like he's getting back his quickness. Uh, Darius Rogers, I like him in number one. I think it looks sharp on him. He's playing well. And, you know, we can go through them all. Rasheed Johnson, and uh, he's playing well. I like Bryce Dixon. I think he's going to be a great target. He's not going to be a tight end type. He's going to be a flex tight end and a slot type of tight end. But you, we have a, a great lot of uh, receiving advantages to him because he's very fast, faster than normal tight ends, and he's a big big target. So uh, you know, Telfer, of course, is, is a quality guy. And, and, you know, when they talk about lack of tight, tight ends, yes, they've lost Fitzpatrick, but Chris Wills, Wilson uh, is better than most people think he is. And this, what's his name? Teddy Becker, is that his name? I'm sorry, for, who are you talking about? Teddy, Teddy Becker, another kid that's a walk-on tight end. I don't have his name in front yeah, of me. Yeah, I'm, 
I try not to pay attention to the walk-ons, Coach. Well, <laughs> well I'd like to kidding. watch them all, okay? I kidding. watch them in individual <laughs> drills and uh, because you never know. You know, some of these kids step up and play. Like, you take James Tolan. Now, he's a walk-on kid. I he bet is. you pay attention to him. I'd, right now, he's either the third or fourth best running back in the whole camp. Would I you know. say that? I would. And I'm just kidding about the walk-ons. But <laughs> Chris Wilson is, uh, like, the main, obviously, the main walk-on there at, at tight end. I, I I have not really paid attention to some of the other guys behind him, but I will I will do that now, Coach. My apologies. I want you to start taking pictures. You're only putting 100 pictures up on the uh, – website put 150 now I'll okay have to put some more i try to put some mix some walk-ons in there too but it's you know <laughs> i gotta work on some, <laughs> some of that well uh, so good thoughts on the offense what about uh on the defensive side of the ball what have you seen well wait a minute now let's, oh you're not done you. oh i'm sorry we, i didn't mean to just, interrupt. just talked about the receivers <laughs> We got a couple other positions here, Ryan. You've been okay. in the sun all day today. On I have. Sunday. I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, as far as the quarterbacks, let me briefly go through them. First of all, I think Max Brown is having a great fall camp. I think he's improved. He's more relaxed. He's throwing the ball well. Uh, I, I really think he's had a great camp. I think Cody, too, has great leaderships, and he's certainly better, too. But I can really see now Max Brown really stepping up and, and feeling comfortable. I think that's the best way of saying it. Green has got a way to go. He's just a youngster, and no one expected him to get many turns this year anyway, but they're giving him some turns in practice. As far as running backs are concerned, I'd say right now the running backs are Madden and, and Allen. Justin Davis is uh, a little bit uh, behind as far as because of his injury. He's got to get his form back and get back into shape. James Tolan, I, I just like James Tolan. I mean, for walk-on in the spring, I saw him and said, who is that guy? Where is he from? Uh, he would be a scholarship player at a lot of universities, though, Ryan. So James Tolan, I wouldn't be afraid to play him at all. Uh, the offensive line, I think it's the biggest question mark on the offensive side of the ball, or maybe on the entire team. Uh, they've got to find five guys who are going to be able to play together as a unit, and be able to get it done. And right now, I think they're struggling, the offensive line. They haven't really got that uh, picture put together yet. You've got Banner, right tackle, but he hasn't played yet or in a football game and is recovering from his hip surgery. The right guard, uh, I thought Walker would come back and want that position. Right now, he's not showing me he wants that position. And I think Rodgers is going to take it away from him, the redshirt freshman. At center, I think Turk's doing a great job there. Uh, the left guard, uh, I think Lobanon is going to be the starter there. I do. Jordan Simmons, uh, he's a little bit behind, a little overweight. Got to get himself into shape after his, his uh, injury. And uh, Wheeler's going to be the left tackle. I wish Wheeler was a little bit more physical, but it has nothing to do with his ability and effort. He gives you 100% effort. As far as the backup center, I'd make Lobanon the backup center. This is just me after a few days of practice, guys. Just my opinion. I'm not trying to coach the team. I'm just telling you what I see. And I would take Veneni. How do you pronounce his name? Viane Talmeavo. Thank you for your help. Sure. I'll learn it by the time the season gets here. I, I think he's a great player, but I think he's too uh, aggressive to be a center. What I mean by that, he's coming out. And uh, he's having to make a call, a snap the ball. He wants to go kill somebody, which is my type of football player. In fact, this is the kid that reversed, decommitted from Alabama and came to USC. Uh, he has the ability to become a great player, either to tackle or a guard. He's about 6'3", 300 pounds. I think he'd be a great player. Right now, he's not doing what he wants to do. It's a new position, and he's having problems. And you watch practice. Ryan, he snaps the ball over the quarterback's head, then he has to get out of there, and they put another center back in there. And he's just doing too much at one time, but he's great talent. So I don't know. Once they get this worked around, the offensive line coach knows what he's doing. He's a great coach. He's coached for the 49ers. He's coached Stanford. He'll get this unit together. But that's the unit I think that's got the biggest question mark currently on the football team. No, that makes sense, Coach. And, you know, before we jump into uh... – the defense, we did have a question about uh, one of the offensive linemen, so why don't I play this one for you? Uh, here you go. Hi, guys. This is Joe. I uh, love the show. Uh, 
<laughs> that rhymes. Um, I wanted to know if Damien Mama, I guess, got to be the starter or in the rotation. Um, if he had a great season, do you think he would still go on his Mormon mission? Thanks, guys. Fight on. Great question, because I didn't mention his name. And uh, I should have mentioned his name. He's a five-star recruit out of St. John Bosco. Was recruited heavily by everyone. Uh, I've been watching him. And currently right now, he's behind. Uh, I think he needs to get himself into shape. I think he's got great feet for a big man. But it's just too big. And uh, it hurts him as far as having to pull and do different things as an offensive guard has to do. He's a tough guy. He's a winner, obviously, playing at St. John Bosco. Uh, would he go on his mission next year? I'm not sure it would be the best for him. Of course, I don't make those decisions. I think he needs to spend a year. I probably would redshirt him this year if I could. That's me, not not USC, me, and get him in great physical shape. I'd get him in great physical shape. He's a great football player. Then I would play him a year, and then at that time I'd be able to recruit more offensive linemen, which the Trojans are doing, and then I could best, or we could afford, or SC could afford, him going on his Mormon mission. And as long as he continued to stay in shape and do that, I think that'd be the best time to do it. He'd be older, he'd be more mature when he came back, he'd have a year of redshirting and a year of playing, so he knows what football's all about, and then. If he chooses to go on his mission, I would think that'd be the best time. So thank you for asking that question. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he, there was talk about the Mormon mission during the recruiting process, but uh, we've always kind of thought that it wasn't going to happen, that it, it wasn't necessarily like he was going to do it. That My gut was that he wasn't going to take one anyway. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But he was getting first-team reps when they were doing some of the team drills, uh, Coach, because you mentioned Teo Lobodon being the backup center. They needed him to run the second-team center, so they weren't having him be a first-team left guard. And Damian Mama stepped in and was playing left guard. So he had actually got some first-team reps uh, this past week. Um, but very interesting. My, my gut is he's not going to take the mission. But, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. And, uh, but let's, I guess we could jump to the defensive side of the ball, Coach, just to kind of see what you thought from, saw from the uh, you know, linebacker, secondary, and the defensive line. Well, when I watch the defense, I think the defense is head of the offense. Uh, I think they're a more mature unit. If uh, you watch spring practice, you saw that they are ahead of the offense at that time. And really, the defense is normally ahead of the offense at this time at a fall camp anyway. Uh, I think that the most improved unit on the defensive side of the football is the secondary. I'll tell you, the, the secondary is really improved because you've got Josh Shaw back, who wasn't in there in the spring. You've got... Hawkins, because Hawkins is really playing well. Number four, I really like the way he's improved and challenges uh, uh, for a spot there in the secondary. Asufa Craven is back. You've got Bowman back, McKay, or McCray's back. Uh, you've got Seymour back now and healthy. And then when you look at the freshman kids that have come in, and, and uh, I, I think this Lamont Simmons is going to be a great player. I really do. I said that when they recruited him. And Plackenberg is playing well. I think they'll move him to a safety position right now. I think that's what they'll probably do to have a freshman there in the safety position. You've got Lockett, who's really surprised everybody, and uh, so far this fall has been the wonder boy. He's, uh, he's done a great job. So uh, I don't know if I missed one. I don't have a roster in front of me. I certainly don't want to miss anybody, and I'm not doing it intentionally if you're a parent listening or anyone. Uh, did I miss another uh, freshman uh, incoming uh a DB? I think you got them all, Coach. Good. I think these kids have really contributed. Oh, Dory Jackson, of course. Uh, I, I don't know how I missed him, but I think he's done a great job, and I think he'll stay on the defensive side of the ball. I really do because of the way Harris has played on the offensive side of the ball. In fact, I think if you took both those kids and you put two on both of them and you didn't tell who was in the uniform, it would be hard for you to make tell the difference on offense. That's how good I think Harris is as far as quickness. Now, that's just my opinion, and I don't watch the tapes on it. But I think that this allows Adoree Jackson to stay over there and be a corner. Now, when you look at those type of freshmen coming in and playing defense, I think, it, I think it's awesome. I really do think it's awesome. Uh, I think Juju Smith will stay on the offensive side of the ball. I, I really don't know. I haven't said it in staff meetings, but I think he's, could be a, a, no, he could be great at anything, but we'll see what happens but I think he'll stay on the offensive side of the ball at least this year. 
The linebackers, I like the linebackers. They really play, play well together. They played together all spring. They're playing together now. Uh, I like uh, I like Scott Starr, who is now Scott Felix, because he plays so hard. I like guys that play hard. I mean, every down you're playing hard. I like uh, Ruffin. I think Ruffin's playing hard. Uh, you like guys that get after people, like the game of football. You can tell when people like the game. You can tell... When guys just play the game, uh, these guys play the game hard and they're really doing a great job. As far as the down guys, Antoine Woods, I think, has had a great spring. He was one of their leaders in the spring. He's one of their leaders now, along with Leonard Williams and Palin and uh, also uh, Simmons. Uh, I like the defensive front. I, I really just hope, and I hate to go backwards rather than forwards, but I think one of the biggest losses on the defensive side of the ball, if you look at it, not only is Kenny Bigelow, of course, but when George Uko came out, if George was back and waited another year when he should have, he'd have been awesome along with Xavier Grimble on the offensive side. Both of those guys would have been drafted. Not that they won't make it in the NFL. I'm just saying if there are two guys that I wish stayed back at USC, it had been those two. Uh, so I, I like the defensive front. I like the defensive side. A little, uh, little lean on depth, but if they don't get hurt and they play, they're going to play fast. They're tough guys. They love the game of football. All Eleven starters there on, on defense love to swarm you, and they run so well. Quentin Powell, I, I really think he's going to be a great player too. I mean, he's so quick and so fast, and jumps on the ball. And you know, these are the type of guys. In fact, when you look at this, Ryan. I look at the seven players out of the state of Florida. All seven of them are great players. Every single one of them have turned out to be great players. Not that other states don't have great teams, but if you go down and look at the seven players out of the state of Florida, currently right now, every single one of these guys are players. Yep. From Allen to Williams to Simmons. You can go through them all. They're all going to contribute and be great football players. So the recruiting that they've spent down there in the state of Florida certainly has paid off. As far as the kicking game, I think they're better at the field goal. I think they're better at, at punting. I think the snappers are doing well. Uh, I like the return guys. Uh, I just hope that they don't run Nelson Aguilar back there. Some of these guys on punt returns, or not punt returns, kickoff returns and stuff, is going to get their reps on the offensive side of the ball. You've got enough skilled players to put somebody else in there to do that. So, after one week, I certainly am talking too much, aren't I? No, <laughs> no. there's a lot to observe, Coach. That's what you do. I, I love it when you go to practice because you're there soaking it all in. You're not trying to talk to everybody. You're trying to get no. in there and, and figure out what's going on. Yep. I, I don't, I'm not there for a social meeting. So if you walk by me and I don't see you, it's not that I'm trying to be rude. It's just that I'm watching, you know? Gotcha. We, we try to do that as well. But it gets difficult. Now, the fans aren't on the sideline anymore, so the first – few practices it was a little more uh challenging because there's a lot of people there and people say say hi and they say they love the podcast and we appreciate that uh but we are out there working so it's sometimes it can be a little uh difficult there but thanks for the the recap on what you thought offense defense special teams we're going to get to some of these questions and before we get to the question coach there's one uh a comment from frank in sacramento i think we were talking about uh snoop dog making a big um donation to usc now he used to come to games when pete carroll was there and was wearing the lindell white jersey and all that kind of stuff but frank wrote in and corrected us he said uh ryan coach harvey hyde was thinking of dr dre uh born andre young in compton california he's an artist producer entertainer who gave a big donation to usc recently dr dre began his career as a member of the world-class wrecking crew in 1986, he co-founded NWA, won critical and uh, commercial acclaim with the group's 1988 landmark rap album, Straight Outta Compton. That's uh, Frank in Sacramento. They're actually playing stuff, Frank, uh, from Straight Outta Compton at uh, the Coliseum practice, I think was, I think that was on Thursday last week, but they were playing some kind of old school. They played a bunch of NWA and stuff like that. So that Frank wanted to give us a little correction there, Coach. Well, I tell you, I take I can take all the help you can give me. <laughs> uh, I want you know, especially when it's some of that music that I don't really understand, you know. Uh, so thank you very much for for correcting me on that. All right. Uh, well, let's go to Ben. He had a question. He said, "I love the podcast. Thanks very much, Ben. Almost can't wait to get to work on Mondays. Keep it up. Uh, we will keep trying, of course, and we'll do our best." He says, "Questions regarding penalties at Washington." Steve Sarkeesian squads were frequently among the very worst in the nation. 
uh, over 100 penalties in both 2012 and 2013. Have you heard any mention of a plan to solve this problem? Does Sark have officials at practice to try and mitigate the penalties uh, during the season? Washington lost close games to Stanford UCLA last season, and both Washington had over 10 penalties with a more disciplined team. Washington could have been 11 and two last season. That's from Ben. And I don't know, Coach, if you might not. I don't remember if you were at the last couple practices, but they brought out officials starting in their Coliseum practice. So the last few practices, they've actually had game officials out there, and there've been quite a bit of flags being thrown, especially on the USC secondary because there's those new like hand checking rules. Uh, I guess so the DBs can get a little hands on, and, and they're drawing some flags. But want to get your thoughts, Coach, on the penalty situation. And they're also calling it on the receivers as far as pushing off, too. So yeah. it, it is going to be a new penalty that uh, I think you've got to watch it closely and teach the kids now before it costs you a football game. So uh, as far as penalties are concerned, you know, it's something that some teams have a lot of penalties and some teams don't. It's a fine line because you don't want to take the aggressiveness out of your team. But then again, you don't want to have stupid penalties. I mean, sometimes there's a penalty you have, and you say, okay, we got that penalty. Then you say, and I won't say it on the podcast what you say, <laughs> but you say things when he comes off the field that possibly, uh, you know, he understands what you're saying. Just stupid. Just stupid penalties. I mean, after the play, the play's over. It was third down. We were getting the ball back. I mean, just stupid things. Now, when a kid's trying and you get a pass interference by, by accident or something like that, those things happen. But stupid penalties, you just can't afford. And if a kid continues to do that, you can't play him. He'll cost you a game. And uh, I think that you have to let a kid to be aggressive, but you've got a fine line of being aggressive and stupid. And uh, I think you've got to watch that. I can go back and point out, penalties that SC has had that cost football games, a big game. I'm not going to say who it was, but several years ago, there was a big penalty at Stanford when uh, Stanford came back and beat SC, and, and they lost that game because of that penalty. It was pass interference or unnecessary roughness or something. So you've got to really be smart, and as far as the teams at Washington, I've got to tell you this. I didn't see them play that many times. I saw them play UCLA in person. So for hard, it's hard for me to say, oh, they had this this thing about them that they were always cheap shooting or shotting or hitting people. You know, there's teams that do that. There are some teams that take cheap shots. Well, you can't be one of those type of teams because you're half-speed All-American when that happens. That's what I call them, you know. Hit somebody that's not looking. That really shows you how tough you really are, you know. <laughs> I used to tell them, you're really tough. You hit that guy with it that wasn't even looking at you, you know. So... I think that's all part of it. I think you've got to get that straightened away or you're going to lose games. And you can't allow your team to be over-penalized because it's going to cost you a football game. All right. Then we got one last one for you. This is from Melvin. He says, it appears that the season starts with USC playing six games who were all in bowl games last year. Would anyone care to speculate on USC's records after the first six games of the season? Fresno State, Stanford, Boston College, Oregon State, Arizona State and Arizona. I, of course, would be happy with a six and zero record, but my guess is four and two because they're going to play some good ranked teams, good quarterbacks, and proven coaching staffs. So I think USC will play better in the second half of the season since they now have had some time to adjust and develop under the new system and new coaches. Thank you, Melvin. Well, I tell you, uh, all coaches hope you're going to be six and zero after the first six games. Uh, but I tell you, you got to play one at a time. Yes, some games you think would be tougher than other games. But what I look at in a, in a season, you can't beat a team uh, that you're supposed to beat. Or you say, oh, my gosh. Or you beat a team, excuse me, let me correct myself. You beat a team that's a Stanford. Then you come back and lose to a team like Boston College. Now, nothing against Boston College. But they've lost their running back, Williams. They're rebuilding. The coach there does a great job of coaching. Because if you do, you're one-on-one in those two games. So you've got to win the game. Just You've got to win the game you're supposed to win. And I'm not going to go down and pick those games, but you guys can do that as well as I can. On the games, you've got to say, we're SC. we got better players than you do. If we don't mess it up, we're going to beat you. I mean, it's just that way. And I, and I also tell my staff that. And I'll also in some games tell my players that 
hey, guys, we're better. We better be better. We better win this football game. I won't take any other excuse for this. We're going to win this football game. If we aren't, I'm going to find somebody who will win this type of football game, either here or get new ones. And then there's, But you can't do that and then come back and lose to a team, uh, you know, uh, that, that's a, a team that you, you need to beat to win the championship. So you've got to take one at a time. If you beat Fresno State in the opener, it's going to be a great feeling at home and the Coliseum and Labor Day weekend and the tailgates and everybody's going to be fired up. I'm just throwing it all out because this is the way it's going to be, the setting. Steve Sarkeesian's first game, they're going to talk about they played him last year in the Las Vegas Bowl. Everybody's going to say that Fresno State was 12-1, and all in the buff, okay? Then you're going to uh, go to Stanford. Now, let me tell you, when you go to Stanford, you don't think they've been talking about you? You think they're talking about their opening game, Davis? <laughs> no, you know, I'm just telling you right now. You know, I'm just telling you what I'm talking about. I got a picture of all your faces up in my locker room. And when you open your locker game week, when you open the locker, I'm going to have a big 8 by 10 of the guy you're going to play against staring at you all week. And maybe, you know, letting you understand we've gone a year with this. So when you go to Stanford now, you've got to be ready to play because I tell you, they got some offensive linemen up there that are studs too. they got Pete up there and they got Murray up there, two kids that could have come to USC. But on the last moments, remember that? They they they, they well, one changed his mind and went to Stanford. And Pete, I'm not sure where he was going to go, but he started last year, and he's already penciled in as an All-American, All-Conference player. So they're going to be physical, and their fronts are going to be physical. And they're not going to change their style of play. Not at all. They believe in what they've done. They've been to three or four BCS Bowl games in a row. So that's a huge game. Now, if you beat them and then you go back to Boston College, and stink it up. Now, what's that all about? Right, exactly. You know what I mean? What's that all about? So what I'm saying is, yeah, everybody would like to be 12-0 and at the end of the year, but you better take one at a time, and you better beat the teams you're supposed to beat because of who you are, and then battle the ones that you need to beat. That's where I'll answer that. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff, and uh, we appreciate you uh, sharing a few moments of your time with us, which you're out there on Catalina Island enjoying yourself. So we'll let you get back to it. And uh, thanks again for coming on and uh, talking about the USC Trojans. Buddy, thank you very much. And to everyone out there, uh, thank you for being a part of our podcast. And thank you for all the compliments. And we look forward to coming back next week with you. We certainly do, Coach. And uh, thank you very much. Everyone else will be back in a minute. We're going to talk to uh, USCfootball.com writer Chris Swanson. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We're back on the Peristyle Podcast. Welcoming back Chris Swanson, uh, uscfootball.com. Writer extraordinaire, doing, wearing a lot of hats right now with the site. What's going on, Chris? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing pretty good, just uh, busy, busy uh, with fall camp one week uh, into camp. Um, I just want to kind of get your impressions, you know, heading into this second week of camp. You know, kind of, we've got some questions stuff, but just going to get your overall thoughts of uh, what you think about that, that first week. Um, well, you know, after today, it was a, there's a lot of injuries now, minor injuries, but that's the first thing that stands out to me is that it seems like once again the team's getting a little banged up. Uh, that can be expected, I guess, during fall camp when you you know put the pads on, get a little physical, but something to worry about. So that's the first thing uh, I noticed. The other thing is the freshmen look really good. You know, some of them look really good for uh, for their age, and it's rare to see you know so many freshmen uh, impressing. Juju Smith 
lot of people, you know, didn't think he could play wide receiver at USC, that he, you know, wasn't a USC caliber receiver. And I think he's uh, been kind of proving people wrong. And Adore Jackson has lived up to the billing. So the uh, freshman class looking good. Toe Lobendon, obviously, that's another guy. Um, another thing that stood out is uh, I think the, the defense, when healthy, is looking pretty strong. Uh, I think the defensive line, the, the first string defensive line is is kind of nasty, and they're they're setting the tempo on this team, I think. And then on, on the offensive side of the ball, everybody's looking good, but uh, there's questions about the offensive line still. And I think that's what's, what uh, we have to watch on the offense is uh, if that offensive line becomes really solid, this team can be good. But if they're not solid, there's going to be some question marks heading into the season. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's probably the biggest question. The biggest p- question mark of any position group, you'd probably have to say, as uh, the offensive line and uh, special teams, I think looks pretty good. But the, you know, we got to we got to see some different looks on Sunday at practice. Uh, any thoughts? You know, there's a kicking battle now. It's, there's some more interesting storylines, I guess, than I thought there would be for special teams. Yeah, um, there's there's a few kickers now because they added a couple walk-ons and they added a. Uh... Matt Bormeister, the uh, the the blue shirt, blue shirt guy. That, uh, many <laughs> of us had not heard until uh, I think it was last Tuesday. I think is when they added him. But yeah, the kicking competition is now heating up. And before uh, it seemed like it was Andre, it was just Andre Hidari's job. But he was kind of inconsistent last year, so it was a worry. At, you know, at one point after the Notre Dame game, I think it was when he missed a few field goals and and he almost lost the job uh, to Alex Wood. And uh, so he was a question mark, and now, you know, they have a couple, you know, kickers that, especially Matt Bormeister, looks very for real, and uh, it, it could be a real competition. It is. It's kind of funny if you watch practice because I think it's been Anthony Nyer holding on most of the kicks. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have Hadari coming up right-footed, and they take turns usually doing kicks. And so he'll come up right-footed, so uh, Nyer's holding it one way. He's a walk-on backup quarterback. He's holding it one way, then he has to switch around when Blue Shirt guy comes in because then he kicks left-footed. So it's kind of funny when they go back and forth. I'm still not going to say his name. I'm calling him Blue Shirt for a little while. It's just because I, I think that's kind of funny. I put that in the notes, Blue Shirt guy. But he's he's been really good. I mean, that's testament to him how well he's performed, and it really made this a competition. Yeah, and, you know, I know that there's uh, – even though USC needs a kicker, there's, you know, there's some people that are going to question when you have this first uh, – class of 25 you know coming off of sanctions and you really need to maximize it people are going to question taking a kicker and you know they might say that's a waste of a spot we have so many you know depth issues we need everybody but he's a scholarship kicker there's no question and and they kind of got a steal gain him a year early you know and count him towards 2015 i think yeah so if people we didn't really talk about this on the podcast yet but he's a blue shirt so he was added a day into camp after, after the first day of camp on the second day you can blue shirt a player, which means you count them ahead. So they brought in a full class for the class of 2014. He will take one of the 25 scholarships for the class of 2015. And he can do that because, one, he wasn't a re- recruited athlete by USC. So there's all kinds of rules what makes someone recruited. But, you know, head coach, phone calls from the head coach, official visits. There's there's a bunch of rules there. But he was he didn't clarify as a recruited athlete from USC. And then... Uh, you, he would have to come in and be given a scholarship after camp started. So he was able to do that. He's a true sophomore, so he has four years to play three. So he could either redshirt this year and play three more, uh, or he could play and you know and still have two more years of eligibility left. So there's some interesting to see what happens. Hadari's in his last year. Do you redshirt? You know, blue shirt. <laughs> do you redshirt the blue shirt and then let Hadari kick? Uh, but if he if he clearly wins, then you know he he'd probably take that job, or they might use both. Who knows? There's a lot there's a lot of options there now. Yeah, and I just want to talk about the blue shirting process a, a little bit further because it's uh we talked about the definition of a recruited athlete. This is something that I think is a loophole that you know it's kind of a, a nice little convenient way for the coaches to get someone on scholarship because although he wasn't a recruited athlete, he showed up to a camp. USC told him he was going to have a scholarship in 2015. You know, like, that seems like a recruit. I, you know, I'm not, yeah. not saying anything dirty happened or anything, because <laughs> they didn't. It's a rule, and they followed the rules. It just seems like that's a loophole, because he was, you know what I mean? He was recruited, basically. 
Yeah, the, the camp thing's interesting because they have a lot of people come to camps that don't have offers. And I'd have to – I got to look it up again. I remember talking to – I think it was someone in compliance, and they were kind of explaining what it is a recruited athlete. But obviously, if you take, like, an official visit, you're recruited. I think, like, if you get a, a phone call from the head coach – you're recruited. I mean, or if they take a visit to your school to look at you, there's there's different rules. I don't remember exactly what they are, but you know, like like you said, he didn't. You know, it, whatever they USC did to him, they they never went crossed that line to make him an officially recruited athlete. So you could blue shirt him. Yeah, exactly. But he's definitely a quality guy. And I think that he definitely understood that they wanted him. Yeah, it's good because he was worth recruiting. They just didn't. Go that extra step to, you know, clarify him as a recruited athlete. And now he's counting towards the class of 2015. So only 24 they can sign in February instead of uh, 25. But he's get to play. Yeah, people are like, oh, he's he, he has to sit out. Like, no, he can play this year and still not count for next year. So it's a, it's a very – it's a not often used uh, rule. I've heard of it recently um, just because we had to become experts on – scholarship sanctions and all that kind of stuff. There's another way to, that, you know, the blue shirting was one process, but it's very hard to find someone that, I mean, it's almost like giving a walk on that's already on your team, a scholarship, like, like, well, now you have 72 instead of 71, but it's, it's still someone that was already on your team. You're not adding anyone new. Um, you have to find someone that is good enough to play is worth a scholarship using next year. And you didn't recruit him for some reason. And then wants to come and, Walk on for a day before, you know, so it's it's not an easy criteria to fill. You can't, like, fill up your roster with blue shirts. It's, it's kind of a rare occurrence. No, I, I've heard that uh, it's a tactic that New Mexico State kind of made famous, and they used it as a way to, to avoid offering those fringe FCS guys. They turned it into, like, a competition in camp as oh. they got the offer. Instead of, you know, just evaluating and, and choosing who you want, you kind of get to, you know, get a competition going a little bit. So it's, it's kind of a good strategy for a, for you know a smaller team like that. Yeah, well, we'll see, see how it works out for USC, but that it's really enhanced the kicking competition. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, let's jump into some questions. Uh, we got a really easy one. Andrew sends a, some some of these in sometimes that are pretty straightforward. He wants to know: Does Sarkeesian do a media scrum after every practice? Yes, he does. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, he does, uh, and you, it's and I'll just you know elaborate on it a little bit. Uh, it's much different than than under Lane Kiffin. I'd say he's, he, you can tell right away. There's a much different style to it. I'm not saying either one is good or bad. It's just Sarkeesian is very open too. When he when he talks, he discusses everything at great length, and you know it's a it, it makes for it's easier to write a practice article, I guess I'd say with all those uh, with all those extra words that he uses. So. Yeah, he's got great tidbits in there. He, he's open to talking about uh, injuries. And uh, even today, when he was kind of going through some of the players, he, he actually apologized for forgetting to mention uh, Cody Temple was out with a concussion. So it's, it's been, at least for now, you know, kind of more open and, and honest, I guess. Uh, you know, he seems, to, he seems to be willing to talk, you know, just about anything. He doesn't want to talk about strategy and things like that, but. As far as like player personnel and where the guys are, I mean, he seems pretty open with all that stuff. Yeah, and he's he's willing to share about the practice where some coaches are more like, well, what are your questions about the practice? He's willing to tell you what he thinks. Yeah, it's it's different. It's a uh, it's very well. We'll see if it stays that way. Yeah, going forward. These uh, practices have been actually longer. We we thought they were going to be about two hour practices because. You know, Sarkeesian was saying that you can get it all done in two hours. You go fast. If you're done, you're done. You don't need to sit around for three hours. But this first week, man, there was a lot. Of, they were a lot closer to three hours than they were to two. Yeah, uh, long practices. I think I wasn't around during the Pete Carroll days. I know you were, but I remember hearing that those practices were a bit shorter. And uh, I think that uh, it's 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 kind of a little bit more consistent with Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin had uh, some longer practices, so we'll see if uh, if they keep doing that. If they feel like they need to work on some stuff, or maybe you know they slow things down because of depth, and they feel like they got to stay healthy, we'll see if it stays that long. It's something to watch. All right, well let's uh, let's go to Jay. He has a question. Love the show, thank you, Jay. Uh, looking forward to seeing what the defense will do and how the offense will perform. 
How will Starkeesian use Trey Madden? Could he be the short yardage or goal line back we've been missing the last couple of years? Also, is there a possibility he could play both sides of the ball? If we saw that happen, I'm sure that Miles Jack would Miles Jack would be for a forgotten name in L.A. That's uh, Jay writing in. What do you think, Chris? Um, I, you know, you mentioned he mentioned the uh, the goal line back thing. I think that if they do need a goal line back, Trey Madden is probably the guy on the roster to go to. He seems like he's the biggest, most physical guy. But I don't think that that's the only role he's going to be used in. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian said, you know, a lot of people thought that he would be focused on a feature running back on getting one guy the ball because of what uh, Bishop Sankey did at Washington. But he, Steve Sarkeesian said, he wants to use as many guys as possible to keep guys fresh. So I think Trey Madden is going to be, you know, basically that one B number two back behind. I think it's pretty safe to say Buck Allen's going to be the feature guy, but he's definitely, you know, going to be splitting carries with him and. I think that's going to be his role. Um, I want to see how much they use Trey in the passing game. Uh, last coaching staff didn't really, you know, they they are they used the running backs in the passing game and, and they caught some balls, but it didn't seem like a huge emphasis. It seems like Steve Sarkeesian's offense lets the guys get out on the perimeter a little bit more, get them out in space. So I want to see if, if that's a role that Trey takes on because it doesn't seem like that's really the type of role that people ex- would expect from him. Yeah, you see that from Buck Allen and so, you know, some of the other guys, some of the other backs on the roster. But uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see. We got to watch out for that. But you know, Trey's definitely going to get a lot of touches this year. What do you think about him being uh, going back to running back and doing a Miles Jack sort of thing? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. I, don't, <laughs> I think that maybe if uh, if they have some serious depth issues um, at linebacker, maybe the other thing to think about too is that you know he was a Sam in the four three. So you got to question where he would fit on the defense. Would they put him at inside linebacker? Would they stick him at Sam in 3-4, which is supposed to be a little bit bigger, you know, more of a pass rusher kind of guy a little bit. So, uh, you know, questions about that. But I think that he kind of – I know Miles Jack does it. It's it's a rare thing. You know, it's it's not – you don't want guys to have to focus on two different things. Being being an exceptional running back is hard enough at this level. Yeah. So, well, especially the new schemes on both sides of the ball. I think it would be a, a, a huge learning curve for him there. So I think, folk, like you said, focus on offense is probably going to serve him best. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of the uh, linebackers, Tark had a question. Uh, who do you see as the starters at rush end and Sam linebacker? This week it sounded like Quentin Powell and Scott Felix. He says star sounds much better. So he's talking about Scott Starr, who changed his name to Scott Felix. Uh have been making tons of plays. Also, with the injury to Antoine Woods, you see J.R. Tavai playing some interior line. So that's Tarek. I guess we could start off with the the Sam and Russia and linebackers first. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, you know, news today uh, that uh, that Jabari Ruff and there's some sort of injury with him. So we're we're waiting to see where that goes and and hear an announcement from USC on what's happening with that. Uh, if if Jabari Ruffin is not seriously hurt. He, He's definitely a starter at Sam linebacker. I think he's just a bigger, more physical guy than the other guys that they have there because he's further along in you know the program. Uh, Quinn Powell does make a lot of plays, but I, I think he could you know he could push to anybody really. But I think it's Jabari Ruffin's spot if he's healthy. And on the other side, it's a it's a battle between Scott Felix and, and uh, Jr. Tavai at rush end. Um, it seems like Scott Felix is getting more of the reps right now, but I talked to Chris Wilson, who coaches that position, even though it's technically an outside linebacker spot, but he's the coach for that position. And, uh, he said it's up in the air. It's listed as or on the depth chart. So I think you got to watch that spot. And, uh, right now I'm thinking Felix as for Tavai playing on the inside, um, it's questionable because he played on the inside in a in a four three scheme i guess he did it last year a little bit but he wasn't you know he didn't really get that much time and they switched him to the outside linebacker spot because they had a injury to morgan breast on there obviously um so it could happen they have depth issues and i wouldn't be surprised but i don't i think that he fits better as a stand-up rusher in, in this particular defense yeah i mean he definitely has some versatility which is going to help if guys are getting injured and they got to move, there's not a lot of depth to begin with. So the fact that they could move him around, I think, helps a lot. You know, we'll see where he goes there. But yeah, it's 
they need some guys that are versatile just because the numbers aren't aren't there, Chris. And they, you know, they, it's 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 going to hurt this team. A couple more guys get injured on the defensive line, and, and you're really going to feel it. Yeah, I think they're they're already feeling it. Yeah, I mean they have they moved uh, Teddy Baker from tight end to defensive line. If you're asking who Teddy Baker is, he's he's walk on, and uh, he was worth. Sarkeesian mentioned him in in his uh, you know his post practice scrum this weekend, uh, you know to show you how how thin they really are yeah. that position. So, all right, uh, well thanks for that question there. Let's go. Uh, we got one more. We're gonna go to Melvin. He says, since we now have depth problems at tight end as well as other spots, do you think we will see our fullbacks fill in at tight end and or perhaps go to more three, four wideouts without a tight end? That's Melvin. Uh, yes and yes, I would say. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian has mentioned that he's going to use some of Anuku in some kind of uh, H-back, you know, hybrid tight end role. Vanuku uh, is such a good athlete. That he could really fit it anywhere. He's, he, you know, he's obviously he's not six five, and he's not going to be a, a a threat on a fade route in the, you know, in the red zone or anything like that. But uh, that, he's definitely going to fill in for for that role when he can. Uh, Sarkeesian didn't mention Julio Pinner doing anything at that at that spot, but uh, I guess that's something to watch for too. Um, yeah, and also, yeah, I do think that they're going to go to more three and four wide receiver sets. I think that would be the plan, even if they uh, they had a really deep, you know, uh, roster and a whole bunch of tight ends. Uh, Sarkeesian's offense, is, you know, just does that. Uh, they have a slot position now that's actually designated on the roster, and we haven't seen that before at USC. So, you know, they're saying it's a pro style spread hybrid, and and you definitely see some spread principles, and you know, the receivers they're recruiting are hearing, you know, look for three and four wide receiver sets. And, you know, they obviously they have uh, three receivers committed, not including Tayon Mason. They're still recruiting guys. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's, there's a, it's, it's a definite that we're going to see a more spread out offense this year. And, uh, you know, the, the beauty of doing a podcast while you're watching Twitter is uh, it makes it very interesting sometimes, Chris. And just to let people know, uh, we're actually taping this podcast Sunday night. Um, I have a doctor's appointment Monday. Not that you guys care, but when I normally tape a show, I have to be in the uh, the doctor's office. Um, so we're taping it Sunday night, and USC uh, Trojans, USC Athletic uh, Twitter account tweeted out that Jabari Ruffin is uh, tore lig- uh, lig- knee ligaments uh, and will miss the 2014 season. So he is out. We had heard... Rumors about that. Um, I was I was told by a you know a coaching source that this had happened, but we didn't want to report on something that is this serious, you know, without getting some kind of official word. So it's officially out now. Um, he was competing, you know, for that like like Chris said, the starting Sam linebacker spot. Intercepted a pass uh, Sunday morning at practice and had a collision with Justin Davis at the end of the play when he was returning the the interception and apparently tore lig- uh ligaments in his knee and now he's going to be out for the year yeah um i i think you gotta look at quinn powell for that well first of all that's obviously that's terrible for jabari he's a great guy and you know we wish him all the best but uh you know looking at quinn powell now it's his time to to step up and really make an impact and and you know maybe charles burks actually you know finally gets a chance so we'll see what happens there yeah the official release it says uh he was injured after being tackled during interception return. It was not until undergoing tests later in the day that the extent of the damage was revealed. Uh, this is very unfortunate news about Jabari, but I know he will rehab well and come back strong next year, Sarkeesian said. And I know our team will step up in his absence. Uh, he made 22 tackles in reserve last season, including his first career sack. Without him, the Trojans will lean on Jared Tavai, Scott Felix. Quentin Powell and some strong freshmen to fill outside linebacker positions. But like Chris said, uh, Scott Felix and J.R. Tavai are really that rush end spot. Uh, Quentin Powell was the one competing with him at, at Sam. So there might be a little shake up there. But, um, yeah, they're going to rely on Quentin Powell a lot. And then there's just not a lot of depth after that, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, that's, uh, it's a huge blow. It really is a huge blow for them. Yeah, so, you know, Last year, 
Steve Sarkeesian only lost one player for the season uh, at Washington, and he's already lost two at USC. Now, USC lost 19 players for the season last year, so uh, now two are out for the season. So already more than he lost, and obviously the season hasn't even started yet. So uh, not good news on the, the injury front there. So we'll be out at practice this week and kind of see what what changes. Um, you know, there's going to be some probably a little shakeup on the depth chart. We'll see if anyone else moves over. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, who else do you think could come in there besides Quentin Powell and uh, and kind of compete for that spot? Uh, they have, you know, some, they have Malik Dorn, who's a freshman. I don't think he's a guy that, that could really make an, you know, supposed to make an impact right away. But start looking at some of these freshmen they have. Maybe they move Elijah Juan Tucker uh, from Mike over there because uh, he, you know, played that position in high school at Sarah and played it well. And he seems like a guy that could make an impact. But then again, they need depth at Mike linebacker too. So it's it's tricky. Um, I think that. I think it's definitely uh, you're looking at they're either going to say that they want Scott Felix to be the Sam and they leave J.R. to Viet rush end or they give Quentin Powell that Sam spot because he seems like the most obvious choice right now. Yeah. Uh, about uh, uh, Yuchenna and Usu, what do you think about? Um, you know, he's he's much more physical than I expected him to be and he seems like he's gained a lot of weight. Um I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think that he's going to compete with Quentin Powell for that spot. I, he could be a reliable backup, I think. But yeah, it, it's it's Powell or they or they split up Felix and Tavai. Would really that seems like the two most reasonable options for them right now. All right. Well, that's a kind of a somber note to end the uh, the podcast this week on. But Chris, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your insights and we'll be out there at practice again this week checking out what goes on so check back with the podcast next week we'll have uh, more on the the injury front and and what's been going on there but thanks again Chris for coming on Uh, it is my pleasure man thanks for having me All right, and everyone else thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast we will talk to you all next week You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 